Well, as we've already mentioned, today is the first Sunday of Advent, and we want to remember that when we talk about the first Sunday of Advent, we are talking about the very beginning of the church year for um, our church year starts today, and it goes through the life of Jesus. So we go into... Uh, we go through Advent, and then we go through the life of Jesus, Epiphany, and then Lent, and then Easter, the crucifixion and Easter, and then Pentecost, and then we go into ordinary time. And ordinary time leads us back around to the Advent. And it's almost as though it is an eternal circle, because if you think about it, we're always in that space of Advent. We're always in that space of waiting. But what is different is that in Advent season, as we approach Christmas, as we walk through these weeks, we are actually sort of resetting every year. We're flipping a switch and kind of saying, okay, we remember that Jesus came, and we anticipate Jesus coming again. We read our passage today from Matthew chapter 24, verses 36 to 44, and I will tell you that it is a very challenging passage. As we read through it, it is going to sort of not sound too much like an Advent passage, unless you remember that Advent is not just about what happened then, but about what is going to happen, about what we are waiting for. Matthew 24, 36 to 44. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill, one will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. One of the things that happens in this particular passage is that we read about <coughs> distracted things. We read about fearful things. We read about not being certain. And we do all of that recognizing that we want Jesus to come, but when we read it and we hear this warning to be watchful, it comes with sort of gloomy words. But this 
passage is ultimately one of hope. It is the hope that God keeps his promises, that Christ will return, and that if we stay the course, if we are ready, if we are watching, we will see this hope fulfilled. So what do we do? We focus on what we are called to. The Gospel of Matthew stands as a gospel that is about the very fact of Jesus' life. It tells us about the good news of Jesus' life. And then the capstone verse is the Great Commission. The Great Commission that says, go and make disciples in all of the nations. Matthew writes to the Jewish people, the Jewish people who have been waiting for the hope of Jesus. Matthew's book is the first one after the Old Testament, and Matthew has been writing to the Jewish people who are waiting for Jesus to tell them that Jesus has come. The Messiah has come. And then his whole point is, the Messiah has come, now go. Matthew tells us that story in a number of different ways. He talks about it in, of course, the Great Commission itself in Matthew 28, 19. But he also talks about it in the parable of the sheep and goats, where we learn that the call of those following Christ is to live a life filled with love and compassion for those around us. All through the book of Matthew, we see the picture of what the kingdom of God looks like. Matthew 5 tells us the blessings that come to those who follow Christ. The rest of that book tells us all of the things, the rest of those passages called the Sermon on the Mount, tell us all of the things that we need to be actively participating in as a part of the kingdom. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Do not worry. Do not fear. All of those things are part of living out the mission of God in the world around us. But... We lose focus. We don't pay attention. We lose our way. When we read about this moment where Jesus is talking here, and he talks about Noah. And he talks about the time of Noah in the days before the flood. And he says people were marrying and eating and drinking. And his point isn't that those things are wrong, that you shouldn't get married or you shouldn't eat or drink. Obviously, that would be disastrous. But what he is saying is that those things can lead you to not pay attention to what's important. When your focus is all about the things that you need to gratify your desires, you lose focus on the very <coughs> fact of your need for the hope of Christ. And I think that sometimes this happens in these days. We read in our preamble to the, to the lighting of the candle the idea that the world doesn't like to wait. 
The world likes instant gratification. The world wants Christmas to start in July and continue to June. Because the world longs for Christmas and all that Christmas brings with it. But the world also wants Christmas to be about filling something that they need. And a lot of times, Christmas becomes this season, particularly this time of year from now until the end of December, becomes a flurry of activity for us. For us as Christians, in church activities, we have pageants and plays. We don't at our church. We have only one activity, and actually two activities in all of December. We have our living nativity on uh, Saturday, December 7th, and then we also have our 9 a.m. Christmas morning service. But there are a lot of places that spend a lot of time having activities, and there's nothing wrong with those things. But when we get so wrapped up in the idea of doing and being busy, we get distracted. We forget our call to compassion and love because of these distractions. We think about getting what we want. We think about what's on our Christmas list. We think about how we can obtain things. We focus a lot on family. Family's great. I love my family. But sometimes family can be a distraction from the focus of Jesus. We could name a million things that can distract us. Everyone maybe has a different distraction. Maybe what distracts me isn't something that would distract you. Maybe it doesn't really matter what the distraction is. It only matters that when we lose our focus, when we stop thinking about God, we miss the message of Advent. Because Advent as a whole is a season for regaining our focus. We are asked here in this passage to be mindful of the distractions in our life and remember Jesus. Every week throughout the season of Advent, we come back together and we take a moment and we pause to light a candle and to talk about what it is that we are waiting for. We start with hope, we go to love, then we have joy and peace. Those are the things that we anticipate as part of Advent. And we talk about them so that we remember. But not just so that we remember. But so that we 
think about what it is we are looking forward to. I don't know about you, but I cannot wait for the day when people are no longer broken because Jesus has come back. I cannot wait for the day when people are no longer needing healing, medical healing, mental healing, because Jesus has come back. I cannot wait for the day when Jesus comes back and transforms everything. We are a new creation. But on that day, when every knee will bow and every tongue confess, we will all be made new. And that day, that promise of everything in Scripture, that is what Advent is about. It is about waiting for perfection. Waiting for the renewal, waiting for the redemption. So how can we, how can we wait? How can we anticipate? We want to look for and see where the Holy Spirit is already at work in the world. We want to find the places where people are actively doing the things that are beautiful. The things that reflect Jesus. I think of the sleep in heavenly peace work where they're going around and making sure that children have beds in all of Kankakee County. Or the work that they do at Harbor House where families who have been torn apart by violence, find renewal. Or the work that they do through uh, the, uh, the homeless project in, uh, in Kankakee, where the churches open their doors and let people come and, st- and stay the night one night a week. I think about the Nazarene Compassionate Ministries where we sponsor a child and we know that that child has meals to eat. I think of the disaster recovery teams. I think of all of the places where God is at work. And we can see Jesus in those moments. And we can remember, we can remember what Jesus has done, but we can also look forward to what Jesus will do. Advent is the start of the new year for the church. And usually at New Year's time, people make resolutions and think about things that they want to improve. We don't always think of this season as a time of reflection and renewal. 
But if we could shift our thinking, and if we could find a way to reduce distractions, to simplify things, to remember the Christ who came, and be ready for the Christ who comes, we could be transformed in this moment. And not only us, but the world that is watching could be transformed by our faithful witness of watching and waiting with hope.